Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Another episode of the Warrior EDU podcast. This is episode number 13 already. And today, my co-host, Leah, could not be joining us today. Nonetheless, as they say, the show must go on. Today, I welcome in McHenry High School French teacher and theater extraordinaire, Andy Hillier. Andy, so glad to see you today. Welcome. How are you? Great. Glad to be here. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be that you, that you're here today, and uh, I, I want to start with with this. Um, so, first of all, just just knowing that you, you're you're a French teacher, and I did crack a a foreign language joke on the morning announcements the other day, and I hope you weren't offended by it. It's okay because I'm not here in the morning. And you didn't even hear it, so that's fine. <laughs> that even better, it was not directly related to you, so we're good. I took. <laughs> I took um, one year of French in high school, and uh, my instructor's name, I remember it clearly, uh, was Monsieur Sicer. I went to Elgin, uh, where I lived in Elgin. It was down at uh, St. Edward Catholic High School. It was where I went up until sophomore year, and he was a wonderful man. However, I don't think I learned anything except uh, parlez-vous français. That's it. But That's I'm, all most people have. <laughs> that, that, probably. Oh, oh, I do know this one. Uh, je ne sais quoi. I don't know why either. They don't say that very often. <laughs> no, I, I, I don't even know if I could tell you what it means. What does it mean? Uh, it's, it's an expression that's kind of used with like um, a certain something. Like she has a certain je ne sais quoi. Oh. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's interesting. So funny story why I know that. When I went to Judson University in Elgin, years years after high school graduation i was in i was part of a writing like this this writing group it wasn't it wasn't a class it was just a group of writers that met uh, on the side and and we called our publication je ne sais quoi so i i don't i, I guess it kind of makes sense based well on literally the- it means i don't know what but i don't know um what. but it's used the nuance of it is that you know it's a certain a certain something a certain i don't know well that makes sense then yeah, like it, it was a certain something. Mm-hmm. It works. Collective of writers, and we just wrote short stories or poems or whatever the case. And that's what our instructor or the teacher, the leader, because it wasn't a class, but that's what she called it. So I guess it kind of makes sense. Interesting. Interesting. So uh, the show goes on without Leah, and uh, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to yours and Leah's connection a little bit later because I still want to touch on that. But but for for those people who 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 may I mean you work on both sides of town at at both you know East and West Campus, soon to be freshman and Upper Campus. So many people know you, but for those who don't, I mean, what's your what's your story? What's your what's your teacher story? Give us the give us the give us the story of how you got into education and how you got to where you are now. Uh, well, I always wanted to be a teacher. I mean, that was really about it. Except I think in kindergarten, I wanted to be a bus driver only because I liked walking up and down the steps of the bus, like, <laughs> like the big steps. That's it. And then uh, ever since I was in second grade, definitively, I wanted to be a teacher. The kind of teacher changed um, until obviously I was in high school and I started taking foreign language and I realized, okay, this is it. And uh, let's see, by the time I finished high school, I knew I was going to I was going to definitely teach French. The plan was to teach Spanish and French, but then I got into college. And I was like, I don't really like Spanish. It just wasn't my thing. So I dropped that and I took up music instead. And then um, I finished my bachelor's in French, but I was doing music at the same time. 
And so I was a TA while I was taking undergrad music classes. And it was great because ISU paid for it. So, mm. I mean, like I got all those classes for nothing. And um, then I finished that. Uh, and then I went to France and I stayed there for a year. Mm. Um, and then I came home because I ran out of money. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I, I thought, what am I going to do? And uh, someone had suggested like some of those agencies that do um, like independent schools and things where you, oh, don't yeah. have, you don't have to be certified, you know? So I did a couple of those interviews, but I had no experience. So mm. they, were, they weren't very interested. Um, and then I thought, well, I got to get certified. So then I went back to ISU for another year and I lived with a professor and we had a wonderful time. And uh, I, I did my year in student teaching. And then I started teaching in Libertyville first. I taught four years in middle school and I loved it. And then uh, I've been here ever since. Wow. So you <laughs> taught middle school for a few years. That's... I did. I taught middle school. And I taught elementary school in France. Um, I, taught, I was a TA. So I've kind of done all, a little bit of everything over the years. Wow. Elementary school in France as a TA. Well, I taught English. And, okay. but, in, but when I was in graduate school, I was a TA teaching university students, the, you know, like the, the lower levels of French classes. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. My favorite part of that whole story was the part about the big steps on the bus. Like that, that's what you, <laughs> that's what you love the most. <laughs> but I think that that kind of is a, it's a bit of a metaphor because I was just like the being in the school environment. Mm. Um, I, I remember my teacher in second grade, she was, um, most of my teachers, I went to Harrison and most of my teachers okay. were older. So they were like end of career teachers who had like, you know, worked this down to a, a science and they knew exactly what to do with all of us. And they were strict, um, but I, I loved it. I, I tend to get along with those teachers that are stricter than the ones who are a little more loosey goosey. And I, I as a student, I mean, and uh, I just kind of latched onto that second grade teacher and we kept in touch for years. At, at Harrison here in Wonder Lake? Yep. Really? Yep. Wow. My, it's funny you say that. My daughter, when, when we first moved up here to McHenry County, it was in Wonder Lake. Mm -hmm. And so my daughter um, and my son for one year before we moved to McHenry, she went to Harrison and loved her. It, I don't remember what grade. It could have been second grade. It was uh, a Connie Sandman. I don't know if you know her at all. Um, I know her very well. Um, my mom worked there for 28 years. Oh, no kidding. This Sandman was my first grade teacher. And when, uh, before she died, she came to our house for all the big holidays. Um, wow. She always bring cards with her. We would play cards together. So I know her very, very well. Oh, you're kidding. What a connection. Wow. Yeah, that was her <laughs> absolute favorite teacher. I loved her as well. She this was, man was, was the quintessential teacher of always being involved. Yes. She was everything. Everything. Um, uh, that I, all the way up through my, because you know, I was there for nine years. So uh, I, I remember her being involved in every, all the fun fairs, the plays, you know, ticket sales, blah, 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 you name it. She was a part of it in some way. Just a part of the, the this, when you thought of the school, you, that's, that's yeah. the kind of teacher you thought of, you know, Absolutely. everybody can picture when you think of school, everyone can picture a, a teacher that you, that you remember. For me, it was, it was Darlene Bogan. She was my fifth grade teacher at St. Thomas More Catholic School. And for whatever reason, I remember Mrs. Bogan very well. 
And uh, that was for, that was the year that uh, Reagan got shot. And I remember we were watching it or, or something. She pulled a TV into the room or I, I remember that very clearly. So <laughs> my, my second grade teacher who was here, he was Mrs. Martin and uh, my parents, she taught for years at Montini and my parents, when they was coming up for me to be in second grade, I was, you know, I, I was a constant talker surprise. And so my parents were really worried about me being in her class because she was notorious as being really strict. And uh, so my parents thought, well, maybe we should ask to have him put in the other teacher's class. But then they thought, well, he's gonna have to learn to deal with everybody. Mm -hmm. So they, they went ahead and put me in her class and she was one of my favorite teachers. I loved her. I loved her. I love how she wrote in cursive on the board. Uh. I love how she would walk in between the desks. I loved how she just, commanded a room she had a piano in the back of the room and uh she played before school and um she never <laughs> she she didn't get me in trouble if i played it during a recess when we had indoor recess she let me play it so i, I loved i like i said i love that that sense of discipline yeah it gives me a structure to follow as a student that's that's amazing. I think that a, a lot of kids um, would agree with you, you know, if they're if they listened to this and, and a lot would disagree with you, you know, and uh, for various reasons for for me, I, I think that um, growing up in the Catholic school system, and as a result, you know, the, the, the church is on the same property as the school. So we would walk over every Wednesday for for mass and I was an altar boy and um, started doing the 5am masses before school, you know, as an altar boy and just love you know so it, it brings me like the thought of school brings me back to those memories and and they were and of course very strict um and and i think that that although i don't practice catholicism anymore it's that structure that i i think i probably craved and yeah if i don't have like firm due dates and mm. like this is i'm not going to do it yeah. So like having that, like those teachers, and I think of a few teachers that, <laughs> since I went to West, I don't want to mention names, but uh. even though all my teachers have retired except for one, I don't want to, to name names, but there was, there was a few teachers who were also like that. And so even as I got older, I loved having that. And it was usually the teachers, it was a shame that, that other students didn't seem to like, and they were mean to those teachers because they didn't let them do what they wanted to do. And so I, I kind of, I always felt bad for them because they were, they were the ones who were really strict and they were really organized and I respected that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. You also said something that, um, that struck me there, you know, there's a difference between you and I, and, and, um, and that is that you always wanted to be a teacher, you know, and I, I meet so many, I talk to so many kids as you do now that, that including my son, it makes me think of my 20 year old son who, who, you know, graduated here two years ago and from East Campus and um, had no direction and perhaps still doesn't. And, but my, my message to him is that like, that's okay. I don't, you don't need to know what you're going to do right now. And you're almost 21. So it's getting time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's getting, it's getting your time that you figure out what you want to do. But, but right from high school, if a, if a kid tells me, oh, I've got it all mapped out, I've got it all figured out, and this is what I want to do, I always warn them, like, the plan is not always the plan. 
that, that, that may not end up that way. You know, for me, it didn't. I didn't always want to be a teacher. I had no idea. I'm surprised I'm back here at the high school level. You know, it still surprises me because of how much I did not like high school. <laughs> so, so I don't know. I think, I think, would you agree with that, that with that sentiment that, you know, that maybe um, a teacher's job today is not necessarily to help kids understand what their path in life is, but to, but to under, help them understand more. So like what, what, what is possible out there, you know, cause we don't even know what kind of jobs are going to be out there. Well, yeah, especially in a broader sense of like what else is out there outside of this town. Uh, and that's part, a huge part of what I do as a foreign language teacher is, is opening up the idea of possibility and, and leaving and imagining a world far bigger than our own. And, you know, one of the things that annoys me is that I've had to spend basically my entire career justifying why I do what I do. Mm. Why don't you just teach Spanish? Why don't you just do that? Because there is Spanish everywhere. I'm like, well, that's part of why I do what I do because there is Spanish everywhere. But you leave the United States, you go to Europe and French is the lingua franca. And mm. you, it, it just, I've met people and gotten jobs and, and gone to places I never would have gone if I didn't speak French. And for me, that is worth it on its own. Absolutely. Far beyond, you know, just the idea of verbs and, and conjugations and all that kind of stuff is the idea of the, of the wonderful people I've met and the crazy stories I have and the, and the interesting jobs I've had mm. outside of education working in language. I agree. I agree. I, I love the fact that, you know, you, you went to France and stayed for a year and only came back because you ran out of money and maybe it's you would true. have stayed. I would not have come back. I would have stayed <laughs> in Europe forever. I really and truly would. I was planning on it. In fact, I was thinking this is going to be my gateway into, into starting a job and staying in France. And um, the problem was, is that they had a stipend for all of us, of course, but I had to pay rent. And the other girls were living in the... Um, in it, well, in the way it works in France is they often have dormitories in the middle schools and the high schools for teachers who have to travel. The system is different. Here, you apply for jobs in what area you want to be in. There, you apply for jobs with the government and the government tells you where you're going to teach. So you might be further away from where you live than you anticipate. So uh, they, they, in, they lived in those dorms and they paid like $75 and I was paying over 300. So like I wasn't able to make a stockpile of any kind of money. So I had to come home. And that's, that, I mean, it's not the greatest tragedy in the world, but at the well, same right. time, like, you know, it did change a lot of what I thought I was going to be doing. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I would encourage anybody, you know, whether they're a teenager right out of high school or an, or an adult, you know, and I haven't done this myself, but, but I wish I could like, you know, travel, see, see the world, you know, um, yeah. I, I love that you're able to do that. You know, um, speaking of tragedies, talk about your um, experience in, in love of theater. I mean, how did you get involved, involved in that? Well, uh, that goes all the way back to high school when I was Mrs. Dunn's student. Mm. And, <laughs> and I did productions with her and I always enjoyed it. And it was always fun. And then I, I went to, when I was in college, um, I didn't think I was going to get into like, uh, if I applied for like a theater minor, I didn't think I would get in. So I didn't do it. And I went throughout, I'm like, I bet you, I, I think I could do music. So I did that instead. <laughs> I, placed my, I placed my eggs in the basket. I thought I would be able to be more yeah. successful. So I did music and I did that for a long time. And then I, I studied a lot of opera and uh, that was kind of my reintroduction to theater was the staging of productions. And then when I went to France, I had the chance to work with a community group that was, uh, uh, 
group of people that just came together and they like to do scenes and things. And so we staged a couple Ionesco stuff and that was fun. I loved doing that. Mm. And I came back here. And then when I started working in the schools, they needed someone to do um, music um, for a middle, the middle school shows. And so that was kind of the real reintroduction. And then um, I thought this is more fun <laughs> than, than I thought possible. So I was like, yeah, I want to do more of it. And so when I, part of the reason why I applied to this job in this particular school district coming back to McHenry was because I knew that I could do theater here. Mm. And I, I enjoy, oh gosh, I enjoy all parts of it. It's, it's a very difficult experience because there is so much that you have to do. Mm. And in such a little time, <laughs> you know, like you have about six weeks when it all comes together and you have to do all of it. And so that's the challenge, but also the fun. The reward, um, yeah. It is, yeah, it's a lot of fun. So for me, it's about like, you know, the product on stage is wonderful, but I, the process, the educational part of it is what I really enjoy. Sitting with a student and working on a monologue until they start to really develop a character. Or when I work with students on sewing and seeing them be able to handle a pattern without me sitting next to them while they're doing it. Um, it's the little things like the life skills that you go along, you know, like there's all sorts of little things that you pick up when you do theater that you can apply into your everyday lives. You know, it doesn't mean necessarily that you're going to be working in brocade, but you know, you now you know how to put a zipper in. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's great. I, I, I can, and you have a very talented, talented group every year of young thespians, and and uh, just such in, incredible talent to watch and experience as as just a as a as a lover of theater and and productions. And so, um, hats off to you just great work that that i've seen so far in my short tenure here in in mchenry you mentioned um sewing and so um that's where uh my co-host leah comes in and uh <laughs> because i know that you sewed her or her wedding dress so i mean is is Dad, that right is that did you create it for her i did we're at a we're at a function i forget which one it was and i just happened to mention like if you need someone to make a wedding dress for you i'll do it and so <laughs> she's like Okay. I mean, that's pretty more or less the conversation. And then I, I was like, I don't know if she was serious or not. And then a few months later, I think it was a few months later, I said to her, if you really want to do this, we should probably get started because I'm going to time. And she said, yes. And so then we went through the process together and I loved it. I learned a lot doing that, that making that garment because as you can imagine, you can't mess it up. <laughs> so no, it has to be no. perfect. It has to be perfect. And those fabrics are not easy to work with. So you have to be very, very careful. But um, I, the, one, the one thing I can tell you that's, that I almost, I almost ruined it. We were, huh. it was the very last thing I was, I was putting on. Like there's uh, around the waist, there was a ribbon. And so I was attaching the ribbon. And of course I did it all by hand. And so I get to the very end of it and I pricked my finger. Oh. And I... I just caught it and there was a drop that came down and landed on the ribbon. Oh. It didn't soak through, thank goodness. So I had to take the whole ribbon off and put it on again. But thank goodness that I caught it because I thought I've gone all this way and I couldn't imagine oh. if, I, if I stained it right at the very end, but it was okay. <laughs> wow, wow. What a catastrophe that would have been because you are, um, you know, depri <laughs> depriving uh, Leah's mother of going dress shopping with her. We did go dress shopping though. You did? To, yes, get, did. to get ideas for... Yeah, I said like, because you might fall in love with something. So, mm -hmm. you know, like, go, go try some things on, see if this is what you really want. And then 
um, I took notes and I have <laughs> like three or four pages of notes. And then uh, we went through that and we went through the notes together. And then we started looking at silhouettes and fabrics. And then when I went to France with the kids um, during the free time, we always have about three or four hours in Paris as free time. And so I took that time, went to the fabric stores and I bought the lace. And then, uh, and then I came back and ordered the rest of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Well, what a, what a story. I hope she knows that story about how you almost ruined it. I don't think I've ever told her. <laughs> But it didn't ruin it, so we're okay. It didn't so, ruin it. It didn't ruin yeah, it. And right should... at the end, I just happened to put the needle right in my mouth. <laughs> well, she won't know until now. I mean, now she's going to know if you, if you didn't tell her. <laughs> she's going to know. Hey, Andy, um, we always, you know, you talk with our, our guests on the show about, you know, challenges that you faced as an educator in the trenches, you know, so to speak, so that others might be able to learn from you. Is there something that comes to mind if I were to, you know, ask you if there was a challenge that you faced and how you worked through that, or maybe it's something that you're still trying to overcome and, you know, working on right now, or is there something that comes to mind? Um. Well, there was the, the overarching one that I always seem feel like I have to battle against is is to justify uh, why I, why it's, why we still teach French. Ah. that's something that I, I've I've always have to work on, and I've I'm it's so difficult for me because language education is not an extra, mm. in my opinion, it's not a special, it's not in my opinion even an elective. Mm. It is something that everyone should do. And I think it changes your mind, it changes your perception, it changes your outlook when you're with other people mm. and talking to people. And, um, and like I said before, I wish that people had that experience because they could see how um, the, kind of, the kind of jobs that you had. I was a medical interpreter for a while. I worked in the courts. I helped finalize um, adoptions with Haiti. Mm. Um, and then on the flip side of it, you know, there was also the funny stuff that happens when you, <laughs> when you do that kind of thing. The people that you meet and I still keep in touch with. And, and I think to myself, that's not, a, that's not an extra. That's mm. not a special. That is what we should all experience as human beings because we shouldn't let something like language keep us from meeting new people. And we as Americans don't always understand that. We think that the world revolves around English. Sure. And that everyone should just speak English. And I have friends who flat out refuse to speak English. <laughs> and so, you know, they're wonderful, interesting people. And what a shame that you don't get to meet them because mm. you don't want to expand your own horizons. So true. Is it true um, what they say, this is maybe a rumor that you can, that it gets harder to learn a language as you get older. So like, is there any hope for me? I'm 50. Of course. Yes. And I think it, I think it also depends on what your, your definition of fluency is. If your definition of fluency is speaking like another, like a person, let's say French, speaking mm -hmm. like a French person. No, of course not. It'll right. never happen. But does that mean you can't do most tasks? Of course not. You know, mm -hmm. like there is so much you can do with proficiency and it won't sound maybe completely like a native, but who cares? You know, like, yeah. <laughs> don't let that stop you. Um, you just, like I said, that, that level of proficiency of being a native speaker, yeah, you won't attain that. That's, that's pretty sure. I won't. I that's a, that's a lifetime. That. Yeah, that's yeah. a lifetime. That's yeah, great. But it, it does, you know, it's true what they say about having, um, where you think differently when you're speaking a foreign language. Mm. I certainly know that I've been conscious of it myself, that I don't think the same way when I'm speaking 
French with my friends than I do when I'm speaking English. And even the way I hold my mouth and the way I hold myself it changes when I'm speaking a different language. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I heard that uh, from students. I worked for 10 years out in Round Lake with the majority population was Spanish speakers. Mm. And um, I gave it my best at learning Spanish. Um, but, th- but they said the same thing. Like it's just changes the way you're thinking. You're thinking as they were learning English, you know, mm-hmm. so they would, they would come in and out of English and Spanish all the time and just change the way that they, they thought. And they, they actually mentioned that to me. It's funny you mentioned, um, I love the, the idea that language education is not extra. It shouldn't. I don't know if you said shouldn't, but I'm going to paraphrase. There shouldn't be an elective. I was speaking with uh, a group of kids Last week, a couple of groups of kids in Otto Corzo's, one of his heritage, two Spanish classes, and they wanted it. They wanted it. They, we were talking about about this, like what art and things that um, classes that help you to maybe think more creatively and use your artistic abilities should not be electives. They should be as equally equally as important as a core class like reading or math. And and I I. I completely 100% agree with them. And they wanted to talk with me about how, well, how can we do that? So it was a great conversation, but it reminds me of what you just said. Yeah. I think we have to start, you know, there's all this talk about how we can change education and maybe have the silver lining to this Mm. year of the pandemic. And I think the first, if I were king of the world, the first thing I would do is break down those barriers between cores and electives. Mm. Like that needs to go away because those skills that you, that some might think only happen in the core, happen everywhere else. The critical thinking skills that happen in like, I don't know, like a math class, they happen elsewhere too. So we can get all of that by just studying all the disciplines. And frankly, they all have a place at the table. And it's really important that we talk about every discipline because they all have value. Mm, That's so true. I love that. They all have a place at the table. That's wonderful. Speaking of silver linings, uh, I have one more question for you. And that is simply, what are you hopeful for? Well, there's a lot to be hopeful for now, I think, mm. because we do see like maybe there is an end in sight. <laughs> yeah. So there is a lot to be hopeful for. Um, I do hope for that change in education. I do hope that, um, that there is a, a broadening of our perspectives of including more seats at the table, literally and figuratively. <laughs> And yeah. also, I'm hopeful to get out of the country and start traveling again. Yes. I, need to, I need to go back to France. I, I am dying to get back there. Yes. You, are you, so you take groups of kids, though. Uh, I do. We were supposed to go this summer, and yeah. um, I postponed it a year because they're all juniors right now. So I thought, well, we'll just go after your senior year. Oh, and great. even if we could go in June, I, I felt like, you know, maybe you wouldn't be able to get to everything. Right. Because right. it would, you know, limited capacity and so forth. So I thought, let's just wait a year. Oh, that might be your next trip back. And what a great trip that would be with a bunch of seniors. Yeah. How about it? Well, I love that. I agree with you on all counts uh, that I hope that that there's a change in in the way we think about um, things in education. I mean, we've learned a lot, you know, uh, through through COVID and then we've learned because we've had to. And I think there's some lessons to take away uh, around education. I hope there is that broadening of perspectives. And so I thank you for that. And I thank you for your time today on the Warrior EDU podcast. It was great to chat with you, get to know you. And um, Leah is going to be jealous that she was not able to be here. She messaged me earlier and saying she was so sorry. <laughs> so, but she gets to learn about her dress. Maybe something she didn't know. Like you almost ruined it. <laughs> almost bled on it. So. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
All right, Andy Hillier, thank you so much for coming on today. Have a great afternoon, and I'll talk to you soon. You too. Take care. Bye.